Welcome to Inaudible. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about the messages from the Confederation and try to uh, find things that are useful in there uh, that you, the listener, uh, can take with you as you uh, go about your seeking. Uh, my name is Jeremy Wylan. I'm here with Ryan Masterson, the uh, person who does the Living Love and Light podcast mm-hmm. that uh, records a session from the transcript library each and every day for the listener. Yes. And welcome, I, Ryan. Thank you. And I have not done today's session yet. So it's it's going to be a late night, I think. <laughs> do you do you usually record them in batches or do you do it every day? I do. I try to get if I can, I'll do two each day, probably for about three or four days, you know, so I'll be able to stack up and get ahead. But every now and then life gets in the way. And there's a reason why I, I double up or triple up, even if I have a lot of time, but it's been a, yeah. it's been a crazy couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, late night it is. Cause I, I do want to get it out. I still <laughs> want to get it out. Yeah, it can, uh, it can, it can be a little bit of a burden when you have a routine like that. I know I used to run the LL Research Twitter account, and I would stack up scheduled tweets mm. one, de- one a day, you know, for sometimes months out. But every once in a while, it would run out, and then it's like a scramble, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, once you get the ball rolling and yeah. you don't want to stop, you know, it's like, oh, this feels good. I, I think I'm now at roughly 160 daily episodes, you know, so that, I mean, we're we're coming up on half a year almost. So it would be nice to just keep it going. Plus there's so far to go. (laughs) It's like, if I take one day off, then it's so to speak, (laughs) then uh, boy, it's just going to take us longer to get, you know, and, and the messages are getting deeper and cooler. You know, in the last week there was one there was one, uh, I, I think, I don't even, oh yeah, Hatan showed up, but it was Philip. Uh, he showed up and it's been a while since Philip has come in. Oxel, which is always a treat and Hatan, but Oxel, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, Oxel is laying down the hammer here as far as just explaining what it means to be incarnate at this experience at this moment in time. And it's kind of like a no apologies. Yeah, it's tough, but you signed up for it, like own it. You know, that's how I was feeling when I was reading it. And of course, when I take a step back and I listen to it again, I can, I can sense that maybe someone else could get something different from that, you know, but where I am right now in my life, reading that message, it just, it was hitting hard, you know? So, and I'm in, I want to get further along so I can get into more of those messages and just see what else resonates, you know? Yeah. Uh, the thing about Oxel is, you know, as you get into the eighties, you'll find that it mostly becomes Hatan and Latwee. Hatan does the soliloquy at the beginning and then Latwee takes the questions and answers. But uh, and Latwee tends to have a little bit more intellectual point of view than Hatan, because if I'm not mistaken, Latwee is fifth density, Hatan is fourth density. Correct. But Oxel, I think, has the most intellectual oriented point of view. Uh, you'll remember that I believe it was Oxel that uh, did a really deep dive on physics with with Don in one of those sessions. That was a, from a while couple of weeks ago. ago. Oh, OK. OK. Oh, yeah. OK. That was towards the beginning, I think. I'm thinking of the one where they're talking about space being they're like they give a formula for how space and time are related. Exactly. And how time is like space to the third power and space is yeah. time minus three. I mean, it's just like what? 
and, and, and that's uh, that's just another lesson that you can apply to your seeking, uh, dear listener. Mm. You know, just remember these equations, and and, and yeah. you'll be fine. <laughs> just re- yeah, just remember <laughs> the math. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, while we're uh, sort of getting our uh, ball rolling here, I thought it might be good for us to maybe explain to the listener why we named the podcast, what we named it. Yes. Yes. Please. So this podcast is called Inaudible. And at a surface level, if, if by chance you've gone through the transcript library you would understand that quite often a message is, well, it's in the 70s and who knows what kind of gear that they're using. It's tough to record. And oftentimes the message doesn't come through in an audible fashion. So um, so there's plenty of quote unquote inaudible sessions in the transcript library. <clears throat> but Jeremy, when you proposed this idea, I thought it was fantastic first because of the kind of the snarkiness of, uh, <laughs> of that, but but I felt it was deeper and then you clarified just why it was deeper and it, it, it really felt good for me to hear. So please, uh, you do the honors, please. Well, I, I just, uh, it, it reminded me of the message of one of my favorite Hatan, uh, transcripts, which dealt with how communication, verbal communication between entities is really just kind of like a, a way for love to be transmitted. And the communication can be judged on whether or not it got in the way of that love coming through, that inaudible love uh, that doesn't need the words to be communicated. Uh, it, 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 it just can radiate from the person. And so I wanted, I was, I was thinking in addition to the joke, because inaudible parts are all over the transcript guide and it can be or the transcript archive. And it can be a little bit uh, weird to read it sometimes because there'll just be there'll be places where it's like, we want you to know inaudible and that when you do this inaudible. Right. It's like, yes, the, it's like the meat of the message I is know, lost. I hate it. You feel like they're getting to the punchline and they're like, and the most important thing is inaudible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly annoying. Yeah. yeah, but we want but you can also tell uh, how much love is coming through what we do pick up. And um, that's what we should be paying attention to, I think, is that love. And that's a that's hopefully something that um, I'll be able to get into more detail with. It's it's uh, you know, you had mentioned this essay I'd written and uh, a friend of mine had given me uh, such copious feedback on it that I today started rewriting it from scratch. And I'm already seeing more nuanced points than what I had done before. So, okay. Joseph, thank you for laying the smack down on me. Uh, I needed it and it makes me a better writer. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading uh, the second draft. Yeah. Though it's probably, you're probably I hope more, it'll be more useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's such yeah. good, there's such good tidbits in there. And of course with all of this stuff is so deep and broad. It's like the ocean. You know, you can go on a boat and you can just skid along the top and go anywhere you want, you know, cover any topic, or you can dive into the water and on one, in one little area and just go deep, you know? So it's, that's what this is. That's what it feels but like. It's, I think the challenge that I have in the essay, but you and I have generally is what can we say 
above and beyond what the Confederation has already said. And I think it's important for us to keep that in mind uh, because, you know, we went on for an hour and a half last time. And that's great. Like, that was fine. It was a lot of fun. But I really want to give the listener things that are useful that they uh, that maybe don't tell them what's in the transcript archive so much as like puts a focus on things that we found interesting, that we found helpful and, you know, kind of surmising that maybe the listener would find it helpful. Right. That's the that's the spirit I'm approaching it with. Definitely. And I think you are, too. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Um there's one big topic I'd like to get to, and it really can be summed up by a lot of the ideas in Carla's book, Li- The Choice, one, uh, Living the Law of One, like 101, The Choice. Um, I finished that not too long ago and loved some of the ideas that are in there, but I first would like to go through with you some of those foundational concepts that are in the law of one that are in the transcript library. Um, the concepts of polarity, the choice, um, free will, you know, I wonder if we can go through those and just get on the same page and maybe while we're at it, if we can throw in just for people that might be a little bit new or could use a refresher if it's possible to go quickly, perhaps it's not, but quickly go through what it, what we talk about, what we mean when we say sixth density, third density, fourth density. So I'm not sure a good place to start. What do, yeah, you, what do you think? That's I, well, this is what's interesting about uh, approaching the transcript library the way that you and I have done is that you see LL research figuring it out piece by piece. And then once they've pretty much figured out most of the broad strokes, Ra comes in and kind of, like puts a fine point on all of it, uh, really dials it in. And mm. that's, that's great. It's great to have that dialed in uh, feature, but I don't, I do think that there's value in kind of discovering it for yourself. And if it's a little bit uh, stop and go with this explanation that you and I will, will get into, then that's very uh, typical, I think, to how seekers do digest this, this, this philosophy. Um, you do have to kind of go back and read your notes again. You know, you have to go back and, and, and review old material as your intellect finds what it is useful for in this and what it's not useful for. Um, and I think that will come out in, in future episodes, the, 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 the you know, the, the proper role of the intellect in all this, especially in the seventies, they put a lot of emphasis on that. They do. They do. And, and so I was just, yeah. just going to say a guy like me who I live in my left brain, you know, I mean, yeah. and the left side, I'm a, I mean, I am a musician. I'm looking at my keyboard right here. You know, I, I used to write music as a, as a career, you know, in, with, uh, running high school programs and whatnot, but, but I am amazed at just how left brain and, and intellectual and analytical I am about so much. So reading these transcripts and saying, you can't do this with your intellect, or at least you got to put that away and just go to quiet that part of your brain and go to the source, which is just that silence within. That is a challenge for me. Certainly. It's a challenge for everybody. It's a challenge for everybody. And, um, 
oh, it's so frustrating because that essay I'm working on addresses just this topic. But let's put that aside for now and let's dive into uh, the mystery of polarity. Yeah. So there is so we probably have to start at the broad strokes of the cosmology of the Confederation Um, with everything being what we think are separate items, separate entities, separate objects that we encounter in our lives. Mm-hmm. They appear that way to us, but they're actually all part of one thing that we are also part of. You have to keep this in mind anytime that you're talking about uh, the dynamics of seeking and the seeker's path, because that's what kind of unifies all of the concepts and can help you uh, ponder things that are paradoxical, paradoxical and mysterious and are supposed to be. Right. Kind of in the negative spaces cast by these concepts that are that are that are plunked down by the Confederation. Um, So we are having an experience right now where you and I are separate. We seem separate from Mm -hmm. each other. The computers in front of us, the microphones in front of us, uh, the air, all of these things seem to be separate. Uh, And what the Confederation tells us is that our purpose is to return to unity with the creator through the unique path that our souls are uh, imbued with biases uh, that get expressed in our experience. And then uh, we give, we yield back to the creator in having that experience, something that perhaps it didn't know about itself before this experiment in separation. Um, You might find some seekers who have a slightly different take on that. So don't get caught up in like the specific way I articulated it. The general idea is that we are all one and we are all seeking to realize that oneness more and more. Have I left anything out so far? <laughs> no, but I know. Okay. I know when I re-listen to this, I'm going to think, ah, I should have asked him this. <laughs> I should have drilled in more. But so far... So far, so good. It's a place to start, right? Yes. Um, So then what is the, what motivates us to return to the creator? Why should we want to return to the creator at all? Um, Hmm. And especially in these early transcripts, but all throughout the library, uh, the Confederation places uh, desire at the forefront. Uh, Desire and free will. Uh, We desire for greater connection, uh, for greater unity. Uh, And we attempt in this uh, human life that's behind the veil of forgetting, right? So what that means is that when we are incarnate, we don't have access to our full selves easily. In other densities, we do in other planes of existence, let's say for now, Mm -hmm. uh, the nature of experience, nature of consciousness Uh, that we partake of is different. Here, we uh, are very much like animals that have a spirit complex. So let's just think of that as we have the ability to reflect, we have the ability to uh, know, like to understand our separation, to understand our like separateness from each other. Um, And, uh, So we're in this process of trying to 
realize a greater identity, that 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 higher self identity that's connected to the creator uh, through our daily experiences. And we desire and we have this desire pushing us forward. Uh, now, there's something very specific about um, the nature of evolution at the point that we're at in third density, which is that there it seems as if there is some energy that we have to harness, some force that we have to harness in order for us to progress to the next level. In fact, they talk about this choice of polarity as being as setting the stage for all our future evolution. And it's here that we do it. Uh, that choice is a choice of how we express that desire to reunify with the creator. There are two options, they say. We can either express it as a desire to acknowledge the unity of everything and then have whatever actions we take in our separate form as a way of reinforcing the underlying belief that all is one. So if, you, if you're a limited human being, but you fundamentally believe that everything around you is part of you, you're going to behave with an attitude uh, that we would call loving, compassionate, uh, freely giving, all of these adjectives that we can throw at it. But what the Confederation is saying is that all these attitudes are sort of summed up by this polarity that they call service to others. Mm -hmm. It's a way of thinking about our nature and our, the way that we act on that nature uh, that orients towards this one pole of the spectrum of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense so far? Yes, you are. It's, it's a lot to cover. It's thick, but it's thick. I mean, you can t I can yeah. t I can tell you've thought through this and come to your own your own sense of what it is rather than just reading reading the text and saying, "Oh, Ross says this, therefore, you know, you've clearly put you know, your own thought into this." It's almost a burden, right? Because yeah. <laughs> now I'm having to retranslate back out into words what I've kind of like settled on. And it's also important to know, hey, look, this is just my digestion. Sure. I really, uh, everything that I'm saying, go find out for yourself. Go read the material and digest these things for yourself. If I am getting in the way of you <laughs> uh, appreciating this stuff, then like turn the podcast off, right? Like, yeah. it's only here to be helpful. Anyway, to continue, there's now, another polarity. Now, hold on for oh, sorry, just a ahead. minute, because I think at this point in 1976, I'm about to start 1977 tonight, late at night. Um, I don't even think they have discussed these two polarities yet. I think they are still, they've only taught, first of all, the message is consistently love, show love, be love, you know, uh, express the light that you are, but there's nothing to do with do this or else you're not getting to the next level. Now they, they have said that, um, you know, they have talked about the harvest. They've actually mentioned the name, the harvest uh, recently. They've been calling it a, an end to this cycle of existence or this cycle of experience. And they have, if you've been a keen observer and, and if you've been a little bit analytical in all this, you would know that they are talking about those who are loving are the people who get to go on, so to speak. And those who have not figured it, figured that out have to rinse 
repeat, you know, but I, I think in only one session so far, have they even mentioned that, that tipping point of 50%, you know, they have not mentioned the negative polarity. Uh, they, yeah, I think, and maybe that's because the channels are still in their meditation. Maybe they're still absorbing these ideas. I'm not sure, but, but, uh, where we're at in the late seventies, they have not been crystal clear with, with the, the concept of polarity yet. And, and it makes sense because it is a little bit of a distraction. If you have seekers coming to you who are already on the service to others polarity, they're already on the path that wants to love all mm-hmm. and see, uh, everything as self. So therefore everything can be given to, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why quibble about, you know, uh, the, the more dramatic elements of the negative side, the, the, you know, what we might, if we're being, uh, in call evil, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only, and I, I, it would not surprise me at all if it wasn't until the raw contact that they actually bring up the other side of the other pole. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that would make sense because that's more of a survey of the nature of reality Whereas these soliloquies and questions and answers, you can tell it's very much about people trying to get a handle on their own path. Mm-hmm. And since they pretty much, a lot of these people probably have already made the choice, there, there's no reason to go over the other side, right? Yes. Yes. Well, I have another thought about uh, the uh, service to others polarity, but I'll save that until we, we talk about the other side. Okay. So when you get to Ra, uh, they talk about the fact that there is another side to this because the creator uh, allows complete free will of all of its parts. Uh, And that means that it is possible that instead of seeing all as self and therefore you will have a radiative um, giving and loving attitude towards all that all that stuff around you, all those entities around you, you could also see the self as being all in a way that sees to put it in order, right? If you see everything as literally being part of you, why should you not uh, use it instrumentally, right? All of that creation around you. Um, and when it comes to using people, it puts an even finer point on what the polarity of service to self is about. Um, It's kind of a misnomer, right? Because if everything is self, isn't all service to self? And the Confederation entities talk about this. They they say it it is kind of a weird way of phrasing things. I I would invite the listener to think of these things less as ethical or moral concepts and think of it more as a vibratory or energetic concept. One is radiative, right? It freely gives to the creation. And through doing so, uh, they tell us, gains all. By giving all away, you gain all. Because you gain, you are reinforcing in your actions the true nature of reality. But it, it is also possible for an entity with perfect free will to choose the opposite. Uh, to uh, absorb into the self and to see the, the, the self as a kind of center of creation from which 
dispatches of control will be issued, right? Hmm. And that is, don't, and I'm using metaphors here. Think of the kind of underlying feeling that surrounds that desire to control everything and make it all look like the separate self that you think you are. It is a foray, I think Ra talks about this, it's a foray into what is untrue. It is a doubling down on the myth that we are separate and energizing that myth uh, to such a degree that it becomes a powerful, energetic desire that pushes, that propels you forward on your evolutionary path, just like opening up to everything and realizing your essential oneness with all and having a loving attitude as a response to that also has a lot of force and energy to it and propels us forward on our path. So much does it propel us that we can cross the threshold between third density, which is where we have been having our cycle of incarnations on this planet, and fourth density, where there is a completely different character of experience that is only possible, it seems, this is an inference on my part, but it seems like it's only possible to attain that higher level of consciousness and that higher uh, 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 appreciation of one's beingness uh, if you've built some sort of muscle in third density. You, mm. there, there, you need to like learn this lesson in order to like to, to appreciate these higher levels of learning that we will go to. And everybody will get there. You can get there for, by, via the service to others path or the service to self path. Yeah. They all lead back to the creator. One path has a lot more pain, a lot more suffering, a lot more hardship. And it apparently, uh, to hear Raw tell it, it takes longer. Mm -hmm. The service to others path is apparently more efficient. They use the word efficient a lot. In an infinite creation where you have all the time in the world to return to the creator, it's weird to know what we should be economizing on. Maybe suffering is what they're talking about. I don't know. That's kind of a mysterious part. But they do claim that the service to others path is much lighter and quicker to get back to the creator. And the service to self path uh, generally takes a lot longer and takes a lot more effort, it seems like. Interesting. What I just, what I just thought is just how hard it seems to polarize to reach that criteria for moving on to the next, I call it, I call it level. I know it's densities, but I think of it and think of it like a, like a video game. Oh, I'm leveling up, going to level four now. Um, but how, A, how hard it is to level up, especially with service to self. For example, in the raw contact, they say that uh, Genghis Khan and Rasputin both successfully graduated to the fourth density negative service to self. And, and they say that roughly 10% of our current planet, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 10% is about on track, or maybe that's the average as far as uh, who, who graduates to service to self fourth density. Do I have that right? I, I don't think so, but uh, you're on the right track. I think what they were saying is that, so they use this weird metric for talking about the uh, the necessary degree of polarization that you need to graduate. 
I think what they were saying with the 10% is that there are people who are over the scale, like they're over the, um, they're over the center part of the scale towards negativity, but they have not gotten to the point where they would, it would be sufficient for graduation. The reason Mm. is that, um, and this is where these weird metrics come in. Uh, those of Ross say that you need to be 51% service to others and 49% service to self, a minimum 51% mm-hmm. uh, in order to graduate service to others. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, for service to self, uh, you need to be something like 95% service to self and only 5% service to others. Now, one thing that's interesting about this is you can see that it's on a, that there's a spectrum here and that nobody is completely service to self or completely service to others. We all have all of this within us. Remember, we are all things. We all are, uh, all the things that we see in the world that are evil, those are us. And all of those negative entities out there, they are also us. Uh, This is about a choice of kind of how we place our attention Hmm. on our experiences and how we perceive the choice of how to perceive them in a way. And so, uh, it, the, the, the issue that I think you're running into is that there's probably uh, probably about 10% who are over 51% service to others, or sorry, service to self. They're over 51% negative, but they're not nearly uh, polarized. Enough. Okay. The, it, now, if you're, if, you're, if you're correct on that, if I'm misunderstanding, I guess that, does, that makes sense to me because where I, where I hit that roadblock is, do you know who didn't polarize negatively? And that was Adolf Hitler and, right. and, and multiple times, you know, the, uh, uh the team, the, the channelers ask, you know, where's Adolf? And, and they say, well, he's in a time of healing because he came out of the incarnation. I think they specifically say he did not polarize negatively because deep down he truly thought he was helping the German people, even by murdering all these other people. Now he certainly did not polarize any bit towards the positive path, but he didn't meet that criteria. Right. So, so I'm thinking in my head, boy, if 10% of the population is, is, is on track to graduate negative, we got one out of 10 people's like not nice. And that's putting it lightly, you know? So I guess that, that, that makes sense that, you know, what you're saying. And it's interesting to take Hitler as an example of this, because I think it shows the nature of polarization and that it's not about like manifest things that we see in phenomenal reality, right? Uh, you can uh, drive a country uh, into a world war uh, and kill millions and millions of people uh, brutally. Um, and yet, if you don't have the right intention, if you're not using the material of the life that you're living in a very specific way, you're not going to be able to use it to polarize. You're going to instead perhaps be confused by it. You'll vacillate this way one time and this way another time. I mean, there's lots of people, uh, contemporaries of Hitler, who said he was a, a kind and, and gregarious guy. Um, mm-hmm. So what I believe Ross says is that Hitler was extremely confused when he came out of his incarnation. And that would kind of make sense because, you know, he didn't really gain a lot. Uh, he didn't really, he was almost saw himself, like you said, in the service to the nation. Now, Ra does say that Himmler 
did polarize service to self. Yes. Yes. And look at the uh, there. That's that's a great way to contrast. Uh, Hitler didn't have a lot of cynicism in what he was doing, whereas it seems like Himmler did. Uh, and there was a very particular focus on not simply being a bad boy in the world, but concentrating control, concentrating um, exclusion and uh, really focusing on the perversities of the human experience. In a way, these the, the ways that these things manifest as you know perversities or uh, like uh, ascribing all sorts of control to yourself, like those are ways that we see it manifest. But it's not about the the vibration that's underneath, the intention and focus and desire that's underneath is this. what makes it service to self, and it just happens yeah. to show up as what we call quote unquote evil a lot of the time. Yeah. This is, this is requiring extreme, <laughs> how do I say this? Extreme rearrangement on my part, because where intention outcomes don't necessarily matter as much as the intention, you know, because I'm, I come from a background of finance and econ where intentions don't matter. Outcomes do because the, you know, the, the cliche, the road to hell is paved with good intentions is there for a reason. Right. So it's, interesting in a spiritual sense intention matters above all you know and that's that's kind of the top of the pyramid and and uh you know how things work out underneath is you know it's give or take but what your intention is um it's forcing me to rethink rethink a few things yeah it's uh it's a very uh in some ways cold and inhuman way to look at uh, how suffering is created, right? But what what I would advise the listener concentrate on is the way that experience is used by the seeker. When you are uh, when you have not made a choice of polarity, when you are one of the people who are probably going to have to repeat this cycle uh, of third density uh, on another planet because Earth is going four D according to Ra. Um, you are sort of going back and forth. Try, you, sometimes you're service to self, sometimes you're service to others, and you're vacillating a lot. Uh, and it takes a lot of uh, concentration to get off of that middle position and really just push it to the extreme in both cases. And it has to do with manifesting, I believe, it has to do with manifesting a desire that overrides the mundane details of our phenomenal experience in life and instead pushes that desire over and above all the details so that it doesn't really matter. We're using experience instead of being acted on by experience. I mean, that's what Ross says is that until we make the choice, we kind of have random catalysts coming at us, random events trying to expose that inner bias that they don't even understand how it finds itself in us. And it's it's the way that the experiences work on us that help us determine which choice we want to make. So when we make that choice, now it's not the catalyst is working on us to expose the bias. It's working on us to intensify the bias and to build the power. Uh, I, maybe power is the wrong word because that sounds kind of um, uh, <laughs> aggressive for the for the service to others path. But mm -hmm. I do believe that there's some kind of charge that's built 
that builds a muscle you can think of that allows us to work in the finer and higher densities in a way that if we haven't made that choice, when it's not apparent the true nature of reality, it's not apparent that we're all one, we have to do it by faith. Uh, I think Ra talks about uh, using, they use the metaphor of uh, a tiny candle in the darkness working in this very, very obscured way. We're working in the moonlight where shadows are cast. Uh, they use these metaphors to describe how uh, tentative everything is. We can't mm-hmm. trust our eyes. We can't trust anything that we experience necessarily. The only thing that we can truly trust is our hearts. And the path of service to others is about unlocking that heart and opening it up. And the path to service to self is about skipping over the heart, trying to closing it down and getting to the intellectual and power uh, uh, uses of our experience. Yeah. I really need to stew on this because it's, it's starting to bother me now that we've articulated it about intentions and making the choice because maybe I have something to learn when it comes to other people's intentions that, you know, are they coming from a place of, of good intention and faith and love, no matter what happens, maybe I need to accept and experience the outcome of whatever they're, whatever they're going for, you know, whatever they're going for the outcome of their, uh, of their actions. Maybe that's a part of my learning adventure, you know, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let this simmer and, and, and sort through this a bit. You know, uh, Jesus did say that by their fruits, ye shall know them. It, it doesn't mean that uh, there is no clues about polarity in another or even in yourself. It just means that it's mysterious and you'll never be certain. I don't hmm. even think you can really be certain of your own polarity. And Ross says that by the time we figure out which choice we've made, we've already made it. Hmm. Like, because you remember uh, you and you had used the metaphor of video games earlier. And I think that's a great metaphor because the the me that's in incarnation acting uh is veiled from the total me right the full Mm. me that planned the incarnation and has an agenda for where i go from here i am very much mario and my higher self my greater self is the player of the game and I don't, as Mario, I don't care about the, the how many coins I get. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I just want to get the princess. But a player will think about all of these different ways to play that that it, that makes it more fun and that discovers new things. And they'll play the game again and again to do that. Um, hmm. It's a, it, it is very interesting uh, to think about how confused we are and everybody around us is and how that's why they, the Confederation is always uh, uh, warning us against judging because we do not have the yardstick to measure ourselves or another. The only thing we can do in order to progress is to make a fundamental choice, regardless of everybody else, regardless of everything else, what we want. Do we want love, peace, and unity, or do we want control and, and the conflict that comes with that. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much in there. It's fake. First of all, 
I didn't even make that connection, but it is, it is a good analogy uh, of a playing a video game or, you know, leveling up because yeah, it's just great. Cause yeah, you're the outside, the real you is somewhat outside and yeah, you can choose to play the game again. Maybe it's a different character, you know, at a different level. And, and you have this very, um, like coarse amount, like uh, this coarse level of control over it, right? Like you can go up, down, left, right, A, B, right? Like, <laughs> it's, yes. it, it, and like the higher self only has, it can only uh, participate in our lives if we listen, mm-hmm. right? And maybe mm-hmm. that, that's where the metaphor breaks down, right? Mario, sure. Mario's going to listen no matter what. You can't, right? yeah, <laughs> for real. Well, but, I mean, we yeah. could we could spend a week on polarity alone, but th- I love the segue into the choice. Um and, and again, going back to the book by Carla, um, which is a fantastic read. I'd, I recommend it to everyone. But the concept of once you make the choice, you move game boards or, you know, the way that she puts it in her book, you move from a little lowercase g game board to an uppercase g game board. The game changes when you make the, when you make the choice to be service to self or service to others the game changes. And it's something that I've noticed as I've, as I've tried to be a little bit more conscious about, well, not just a little bit more conscious. It's been in my mind all the time with how I'm dealing with other people, how I'm handling certain situations. I can feel that I have, um, you know, I have chosen to play that game. And now that I'm on a different game board, whenever I let my emotions get the best of me, or I let that snap judgment happen, it, it bites you know, it bites, it bites me and go, ah, why did I just judge that person like that? You know, why did I, everything changes when you make that, when you make that choice and when you're conscious of that choice. Uh, the, the Buddhist thinker that I talked about last episode, Pima Chodron has an interesting way of putting it. She says that as you progress on your path, you might think that you have, it's the bigger and bigger challenges that throw you off and confuse you. But actually, it's the small, it's the it's the really small, tiny, incidental things that 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 just throw you off and yes. confound you. And the way that I would uh, suggest thinking about that is that means that you're doing work. When you meet resistance like that, that means that you're in, going into new territory. That's why it's uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. that is not a sign that you're doing the wrong thing or on the wrong path. I think it's actually a sign that you're actually, you're doing the work and that's why you're meeting resistance with yourself. It's resistance from yourself, right? Yeah. It reminds me of when you, maybe other musicians or other artists can relate to this, or I guess anyone who has exceptional skill in, in one area, you reach a point in your, in your development, you reach a point where you realize that the more you learn, the better you get the farther you have to go for every one thing you learn for every one thing you get better at, you realize there's two more things you need to get on, you know, you need to tackle and work on. And then you, you check one of those, but then you just add two more to your list. And, um, that, so this idea resonates that maybe, maybe when you do make that choice and it, you're right, it's not the big things. It's those little things that feel so big because if, if they, if they were little, then why is it bugging me so bad? You know, this is, this is a much bigger issue. Um, so yeah, that, that really resonates what you just said. But it's just a reminder that, you know, we don't see all things. We don't 
we have a very attenuated grasp of the true nature of the uh, uppercase G game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so just keep that in mind and and use that as an opportunity to be compassionate towards yourself. That's what Pima Chodron says. And I think that's very in line with the Confederation's message of just, uh, you know, learning how to soothe yourself and to understand that the mistakes are part of the path. They are not sins. They are not irretrievable. They are part of you putting your hand on the hot oven to learn not to do that. So go easy on yourself. Like, it, it's tough. This is a very confused, even uh, those of Ross say that even for third density, this is a, this is kind of a whack planet. Like, we don't really, <laughs> we, we, we've got a lot of, <laughs> we got a lot of catching up to do. Mm-hmm. I hear that in a lot of new age circles that um, what's going on on earth is a special experience, you know? So it seems to be no matter what the, flavor is of the uh of the spirituality or or whatever it is that seems to be one common thread that that i run into so i guess if it you know if it's if it's true kudos to everyone who's here for all you know playing the game and 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 just to dial that in a bit uh i believe in the raw contact those of raw explained that the reason that's the case is because we've got a lot of uh delinquent students who've been repeating the third grade with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a lot of um, different entities from different planets that have not made the grade and they're they've been relearning on earth along with the native population that evolved from second density. So it's really confused. There's a lot of different stuff going on and we're kind of in a big jail i mean sometimes it feels like we're just in a big jail with a bunch of different gangs right (laughs) yeah yeah wasn't there there was just a just a session that i recorded that that talked about um oh it was um well the question was inaudible unfortunately (laughs) but the answer the answer gave a hint as to what the question was this um one of the meditators was asking whether or not why maybe why this person couldn't dream or maybe they couldn't remember their dreams and can't remember who the source was. If, let's pretend it was Hatan because he's so common. But Hatan stated that when you incarnate here in a very real sense, you incarnate into a prison and your one exit point to keep you sane throughout your life is when you sleep and you're able to check out for a bit and uh, – um. But that makes sense to me because I did not know that sleep deprivation was literally a form of torture until I read the Gulag Archipelago. Um, I had no, I knew that when I got sleepy, I got grumpy, but I had no idea. So, um, so when Hatan said that, you know, that's, you know, you can't, you can't live, you literally can't live without sleep and, um, and metaphysically, maybe spiritually speaking, that's your one time to check out a prison each day, you know, maybe check in with, uh the source and uh keep you in the game yeah i'm thinking of shawshank redemption and like that little you know, little ray of light that would come in or the little bird that he pay attention to like yeah or like another metaphor would be we're all living underwater when we're awake and then when we sleep we finally come up for ah, breath that's a and, good it, one. and it rejuvenates us and it's uh, according to the confederation it's where we do a lot of uh more advanced learning uh with our guides and teachers um 
it, but it, it, yeah, just a, a time of rejuvenation. Um, apparently, not only is third density more confused on this planet, but because of that confusion, uh, lifetimes have been uh, reduced quite a bit from what's normal on other third density planets. So we're having to come up for air and bigger breaths more often, uh, not just in our sleep, but also more and more incarnations that are shorter and give us more healing time. Uh, that's that, worth that knowing. That's an interesting concept right there that the tougher you've got it, perhaps the shorter your lifespan. And, and I will say when, when you, when you read a news article about a, you know, someone old Matilda who just turned 103, you know, and she's got a glass of vodka in one hand and a cigarette <laughs> in the other, you know, and she says, I lived a really good life or I've been so, you know, it's, you know, that, so that, that resonates that, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the tougher it is, the more stress that you have, the more that you're dealing with, the more lessons you're learning, you know, the more condensed the experience than perhaps the, the shorter time you have here. Uh, Cause you just spiritually, maybe you can't handle it. Yeah. And there's like, you know, there's a lot of things that we're saying here that are, we're just relaying what we got from the Confederation, oh, the yeah, details might, yeah, the details might be a little bit messed up, not only because we're not recounting them right, but also because maybe they didn't come through right in the first place. Mm. Um, you know, remember, the more we get into the details and farther away we get from the philosophy, from the love, from the core vibration, the more it gets distorted. And it's important to keep yeah. that in mind, because if you hear us say something, that you're like, man, that's not true. It's like, that's awesome. Like roll with that you know yeah jeremy when you brought that up last at the last episode and i was recording a session i yesterday or the day before dawn is asking hatan and really trying to get the details about the upcoming earthquakes in california again this was in the late 70s and I, as i'm reading through this i'm thinking to myself Don, don't you know that, you know, when the lower you go with your questions, the lower the info, keep it high, buddy. Um, so just a little, we, we get anecdote. to see Don's answer sheet, right? Yes. Like we have yes. that, we have that privilege. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, so another, so we've, we've covered polarity, the idea that in this third density, we have service to others and service to self. We've briefly covered the idea of the choice. Have we really gone into the choice, the idea that there's a choice that... I, I don't see it as that separate of a concept, right? They're, they're, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's not. Yeah, I, guess you're, you're right. I think the thing that, uh, that bothered and confused me for a long time was I thought that the choice was something that me, the limited Jeremy and in incarnation did. And I think that's not true. It is something that your entire self does based on if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, evaluating the the harvest of each life, finding the biases that have been exposed by the random catalyst. And then once that choice is made based on that evaluation, uh, everything changes to uh, help you refine mm. your experience so that you can get that uh, that that polarity further and further towards where it needs to okay. be. Okay. Now, the last I would say in the the trinity of 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 core concepts would be that of free will. And uh it seems pretty self-explanatory that but I feel like there's so much room for nuance because there's this idea of pre-incarnation 
planned catalyst, things that are meant to happen. So there is mm -hmm. this idea of fate, yet we have free choice as to how we react to that or how we, you know, this is, I can't quite, I know the matrix tried to sort through this idea, the movie, the matrix about free will and whatnot. So I didn't even get it after those movies. I'm surely not going to get it now, but how would you address this issue, this fundamental concept? Uh, first of all, don't, don't, don't go watch the matrix reloaded because Ryan brought it up. <laughs> it's going to be a disappointment. <laughs> uh, so when this first came up earlier in this episode, I tied free will and desire together. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that that really explores that concept as well as the early pre-raw channeling. And I think the issue is that we do have free will to do whatever we want. Um, that is part of our nature as creative agents of a unified creation. Mm -hmm. um, and it is we don't act, we don't create by creating worlds and universes and, and entities. We create through our actions, through how we reflect what we think the nature of reality is and the nature of others are and ourselves. Desire is important because that's what we're going to, uh, that's what's going to inform our, how we use our free will, right? Mm -hmm. So, Everybody can pretty much grasp the idea that within, you know, certain boundaries, we have a choice to do whatever we can do, whatever we want. But the Confederation puts a very high priority on our clarity within ourselves about what we want. And the reason is, is because desire manifests what we experience, according to them. And this seems very, very weird, uh, but it plays with free will uh, very importantly. Um, so it's kind of a hard thing to accept that when you look at all of the suffering and all the hardship on our third density planet, that some <laughs> discarnate entity from beyond would tell us all those people wanted that. That seems so harsh. It's cruel. like, it's like victim it's, blaming, right? It's, it's victim blaming. It yeah. is. It absolutely is. And uh, I think that's an appropriate way to think about it. Um, the point that I would make in response would be that it's not that the person that you meet on the street, that limited veiled person did not make that choice. That limited veiled person does not understand their own desire, just like we don't understand our own desire and why we planned for our lives to go the way that they did. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that we would blame anybody for that choice is completely nonsensical, right? Like I can talk, you know, it, it, you know, it, Alan Moore, uh, there was an interview with Alan Moore where he talked about reincarnation and he's like, I don't believe in reincarnation. Uh, because if you're born in a different body, with a different gender, in a different country, in a different time, with different people around you, I mean, that's a different person. That's not the mm -hmm. same person. And he's right. That's not the same person. Because we're not talking about the full self that is engaged in the process of soul evolution. We are talking about an instrument of that full self that is in this limited context with a limited interface to that greater self. Um, 
that is trying to like just wedge that opening open, that heart yes. open, tie in tiny little pieces uh, over a long yes. period of time. It's a it's tough. First of all, before I forget this, my brother, my remember my twin brother who likes everything that I like, forwarded me a Vice article. It was pub, and I'll 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 put this in the uh, the show summary, and I'll send it to you, Jeremy, as well. But it's called the hard science of reincarnation. And what I like about this is it's essentially trying to bring into the mainstream concepts that are not necessarily Western in nature. You know, these are these are certainly up in Eastern uh, cultures, but not in the West. And um, it's a very interesting article, and uh, I won't have any spoilers, but I like that they're talking about it. You know, at, the, at minimum, they're planting the seed with people, planting a seed that this is possible if you haven't already, with some compelling evidence, you know, some compelling anecdotes at minimum. Yeah, I mean, the problem with talking about reincarnation in a popular context is that the, nobody's defined their terms, right? Like, who is this self that reincarnates? Ooh. Right? What may, we don't even really know what the self is. The Buddhists say it's not even there. Um, so we are talking about uh, a process that engages so much more that is mysterious uh, I applaud any scientist who is looking into the uh, tendentious nature of the self and how it might uh, sort of vacillate through reality and time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know if uh, if there's ever going to be satisfying scientific evidence of any of this. I know. Nor, and I'm not sure it would be helpful if it was. Uh, You're right. No, you're right. Like, like the Confederation is constantly saying they can't deliver this information or deliver these messages in a way that would provide conclusive proof. It always has to be delivered in a way to be in a way that can be, you know, not verified or, or um, uh, determined to be false because at the root of it, we have to make that choice, you know, and, it, and like you said, it's done on faith. It's not done on facts. It's done on faith. It's done in the dark. In the dark. Yes. With your little itty bitty candle. <laughs> because, yes. and I think that th what that does is it, it forces us to go within and know ourselves truly. And once we know ourselves, we know what we're accepting. And then we know yes. what it means to become the creator because we've accepted it. We're yes. right. Like all oh of that gosh. is connected. Talk about knowing yourself. I've uh, there's a line in uh, the Fountainhead. If you're any Ayn Rand fans Ooh, out there, that there's Howard Rourke is talking with uh, the the heroine in the story, and he says, you know, you know the way Rand likes to do. Each character likes to give a monologue to the other character, but Rourke says a line that is just perfect. He says, "In order for me to say I love you." I must first know how to say I. And not too long ago, within the last couple of days, that message was in one of the one of the transcripts mm -hmm. that you got to know yourself. You know why why try to change others if you can't even change yourself? If you can't, you know, look within. It's all about going within and understanding yourself before you're able to contribute to others. 
but so I just, but you, you said it, you said it too. Got to know yourself, go with it. And, uh, I, I just love that idea. Well, recognize how much mystery is within you. I mean, that, that would be the point yes. where I might critique Howard Rourke is that the eye that he has discovered has so much power seems to be a really, mm. really petty eye. Well, I mean, he blowing might up buildings and stuff. Might be yeah, like, he might, he, I think he's on the service to self-path, Howard Rourke, but <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I, we could I argue do, that. I do appreciate Rand's, uh, uh, the primacy of desire that, that she has found in her philosophy. But I think that the nature of the thing that is doing the desiring, <laughs> mm-hmm. she doesn't go mm-hmm. into, right? Yes. Because then, yeah. you know, her belief song, the, the capitalism might might be changed, you know? Sure. And we sure. could go on and on on that. Uh, that's a, that's episode 30, right? We'll save that to episode 30. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have a friend I, who's I, been telling me that he thinks Raz a leftist, and I'm just, I don't know what to think of that <laughs> at all. You know, I was I was blown away. I read this story about why the FBI was so interested in, uh, well, channeling and u- ufology in the early days, because a lot of the messages are, they're not communist with a capital C, but they are communal and and all, we are all one. You know, it's it's easy to see how during the Red Scare, during times of Joseph McCarthy, why that kind of talk would, you know make the government fear those who are talking about it. Well, there's every, there's every reason to think that, uh, the Soviets engaged in channeling too, and Mm. that they had problems, uh, that they found with the philosophy that they were bringing through. Sure. Like uh, you can't force other people to do what you want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stalin wasn't necessarily the most service to others guy. Mm -mm. No, Um, certainly but like, but to and I'm somebody who has thought a lot about the political implications of the law of one. I, I wrote an mm-hmm. essay about this, and uh, I think that that is probably an to a certain extent an error. Uh, the point is not to come up with a perfect political philosophy that uh, will allow you to polarize. The point is to live your philosophy in whatever political context or economic or social context you find yourself. The point Hmm. is, is that you have made a choice and that choice is going to manifest as service of some kind. You Hmm. are using the material of your life to hone that choice. Yes. It's interesting to think that some choices we make before we get here, before we incarnate and I'll allude to something that I talked about there in the last episode. I find it to be somewhat empowering, very mysterious. You know, it's not, there's no clarity in this, Mm -hmm. but extremely empowering in that. And when I was talking earlier today about Oxel hammering home the message, the message essentially was that you are experiencing what you desire. If you didn't desire it, you wouldn't experience it. That's the law of the creation. And, but like you just said, maybe it's not me in this incarnate me that desires it. Maybe it's the higher me. Maybe it's the pre-incarnation me that made these choices to experience these things that are not always pleasant, you know, and some people make tougher choices than others. And I'll, I'll give you one example. One of my best friends in, uh, in middle school <laughs> long, long ago now, but, uh, he, um, 
he's in a tough spot. He lost his younger brother. Um, essentially, uh, it was a, it was a, it was, it was dark. It was a, a ghastly murder and he lost his brother. And, uh, he, I think, I know he still feels guilty about everything that went along with that. And I can, can kind of feel, feel from him, the pain that he feels. And at some place way back in my mind that has come forward in the recent, in the recent past is that wonder, did he make this choice? Did he and his brother make this choice pre-incarnation for him to have this experience where he had to experience his little brother, the kid that he loved, you know, the most pass away? Did he make the choice that, you know, he was going to adopt his, his nephew? Did he make that choice? Was that his deep desire to understand what that felt like and how to, how to push through that? And so when I, when I look at someone who is going through serious challenges in their life, there's part of me, there's a big part of me that's rooting for them. That's like, yeah, good for you. Wow. Holy cow. On that spiritual, deep metaphysical level. Holy cow. Did you sign up for this? I clearly, I did not sign up for it, you know? So kudos to you for, uh, for getting after it. And by the way, what can I do to help? You know, cause you are, you're, you're clearly going through a lot. Well, uh, if you want some advice from your friend, Jeremy, I would say probably keep those congratulations to yourself. I do. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's no, how do you, how do you share that with me? Well, it's yeah, no, you keep that to yourself. If you could talk yes, to sir. their higher self, it would be appropriate. Mm. It's cruel in this life. It is to, uh, to treat somebody's experience that way. I mean, these mm-hmm. are mysteries and the, the respect that we have for another's path and their mm-hmm. free will. Yes is just as much about letting them find their own way as it is about, um, you know, uh, uh, helping them Mm -hmm. and uh, being there. So we want to be there for the people that we love. We want to be there for everybody that we can. But we also know that that there is a plan in place that we do not know about. And... Truly, I think that uh, we polarize in our service greatest when we throw the details out and we don't worry about any of this. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the paradox of the Confederation finally with the raw contact sharing so much of this cosmology is that we then start to intellectualize it. Mm-hmm. And then that invades our words, our thought patterns and we start to put together, we try to, we try to figure out how to play the game. Uh, but the rules of the game are not in our head. They're in our heart. And that is the, if we're on the surface of others path, that's what we're trying to uncover is something that we can't reason about. There is no evidence that uh, giving all you have to, to everybody is not the most foolish thing in the world. And uh, the challenge is, can we believe in the purity and sanctity of this choice so completely uh, that we are willing uh, to look like fools to our fellow man? And I believe, you know, when at some point, I'm sure we'll get into the archetypal system 
that Ra conveys. But the 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 root archetype of our experience uh, is the fool. Because that is what faith looks like. And that's what faith feels like a lot of the time. Yeah. And we have to have such a purity and intensity of choice that we don't care. That we are happy to look like fools. Because that allows us to love. It allows us to bring the creator's love into manifestation. Yeah. Amen. I do think I do think it's important for people to not anthropomorphize this stuff, right? Mm. To remember that in a lot of ways, uh, the mechanics of spiritual evolution are impersonal, Mm. and that impersonal. How do you mean? uh, Because uh, we don't partake in this larger self. We just don't participate in it consciously, and other people don't participate in their larger selves consciously. I mean, we can open that. We can thin the veil. Of forgetting between the conscious and, and unconscious, uh, those of the Confederation say that things like meditation are ways to help us do that. Um, but that is a long process that requires us to come into a completely different relationship with parts of ourselves that is not observable from afar, and it's hard to even observe within ourselves. So it's important that I believe that people take a step back, take a deep breath when they hear this stuff and realize that this is all mysterious and that you're in a lot of ways, you're better off not knowing the details. You're better off because it makes it makes your choice pure. It makes your choice a, 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 a bright light. Yeah. And why, why else is the veil there if not to authenticate? the choice that we make because it's a it's a real that's the purpose for this existence is it not yeah the the choice the choice and we only can make that choice when you don't know the results you you don't know the everything behind the scenes you just you've got to make it on faith that's right and so uh people who like we were saying in the last episode people who sort of stratify people according to what you know level or vibration they're on i mean that says a lot more about them than it does about you know, the levels that people are actually on. Uh, and, you know, everybody goes through that period where they're like, you know, judging other people. I still do it. Um, I still figure out. I still decide what people are to me in this very, like, uh, intellectual and self-serving way. Uh, and it's a long path to get past that. But the, the, the first step is uh, sincerity and honesty with yourself so that you can start to catch yourself and recognize your agency in these patterns of thought. Yes. That's a great first step is just being honest with yourself. And when you personally, it, when, when I run into one of those, or the, when I was going, starting on this adventure, um, that was, that was the first step, you know, thinking, trying to set up internal flags so that when I had a certain thought or a certain feeling that would cue something and I would start to introspect and be like, why am I feeling this way? I don't know if you're familiar with the five, the five whys. There's a, this is, this is a, a common story that they tell in business school. It's somewhere in Japan. Maybe it was like Honda, but um, they, they were trying to increase their reputation as far as global manufacturers. And um, they came up with a process of the five whys and you ask why a problem happened. 
And then you ask why that problem happened, why that problem happened. And you just, you go down five times and the hope is to really get the core of what is going on and you get past all that superficial stuff. And I find that if you apply that to yourself introspectively, A, it's really hard because you, you come to some deep truths about yourself that are very uncomfortable and, but that's when you can do the work you're, you know, telling my kid, Hey, I don't want you to ride your scooter out in the street all by yourself. Like I can get to the fifth Y immediately. I don't want him to get, well, no, no, no. I don't want him to get hit by a car. Okay. Why don't I want it? Well, I'm going to feel sad. Okay. Why am I going to feel sad? Because he's the light of my life right now. And I'm selfish and I don't want to lose that. You know, it's, you get to that root level of anything and that's where you can maybe veer to the left a little bit. If you want to start changing, you know, you can't change. You can't grow until you, I think, until you recognize one of those core ideas about yourself that you can articulate, at least personally, I can't grow until I can articulate something in my own life that I can then, you know, have with clarity. And I can recognize when I run into that situation in the real world and, you know, I can choose to keep going down that path or I can, I can adjust and, and, uh, you know, try to shift gears. But, and this is why the Confederation unceasingly advocates meditation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There is no single other thing that you can do reproducibly and consistently that will help you reflect in this way. And not only that, but like in meditation, since you're not applying the intellect, right? You're just slowing down the thought process and you're bringing it down to bare bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is hoped that over time, this will manifest in your thinking out in the real world. I mean, that's what Pima Chodron says. We don't meditate to become better meditators. We meditate to become more awake in our lives. And you start noticing these things. And that's a, that is what is so magic about meditation is that it will drive this process that you're talking about. You don't have to remember the, you know, the, 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 the specific experience that you just recounted. Like you're going to you're going to find your own version of it. And the meditation mm-hmm. is going to bring you down that path. And the act of meditating on a regular basis is a way of honing your desire to seek it. I, I said before that we do not partake fully in the, in the planning that our higher self and our total selves do to uh, chart the course of our evolution and to figure out what biases they want to work on. And that's true. Uh, but the more that we return to the consciousness of unity, the consciousness of, uh, silence and taking ourselves out of this dramatic uh man-made society and go back within ourselves uh the more that i'm not saying that we have control over the things that our higher self has planned but we get little glimpses of these biases and these aspects of ourselves that you know a lot of times they're things that come up over and over in our lives and you just start yes. to feel like you're not uh, you're not uh, 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 rocking in a in a torrential sea in a tiny boat 
as much as it sometimes feels like in this life, that even if that is happening, you know that there is like, you have attuned your mind to use it and yield the benefit of that experience to your greater self and the creator. And there is a satisfaction that comes from that. It's not a satisfaction that makes you happy. Ra, those of Ra say that the value of happiness is very limited in the spiritual, on the spiritual path. Uh, what you're doing is you're trying to open up to this greater self and be a better and better instrument of it so that you and your brain aren't making all the decisions and thinking it's all on your shoulders. You are opening up to all of the help that you have. And it's not just your higher self. It's, it's your guides. It's, it's uh, other people, mm. <laughs> right? Like a lot of times yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've turned down like that kind of like subtle assistance from other selves. Um, being aware and being, and it's a lot about noticing, noticing these things about yourself, about how you think, about how reality presents itself to you. Uh, a lot mm. of what I've struggled with over the last few years is making those spot decisions in the moment when you don't have time to think about it. And those are the perfect things to train you to learn what's important about the choice that you ostensibly have made. Because you will mess up. You will not be able to react the right way every time. But you will yeah. still learn. And the learning's what's important, not whether you made the right or wrong decision. Yeah, I, I still make snap decisions probably too quickly <laughs> and they do come with learning <laughs> i will say that they do come with learning but i had a thought when you were talking about talking about all this i've got a couple friends that are devout christians and they i used to get frustrated with them one of them is an extremely talented i should say skilled he puts in his time he's a film composer in mm -hmm. la and uh but he doesn't take a lot of credit for the work he's put in. He's the kind of guy that says, glory be to God, like I'm doing God's work and, you know, God's working through me. And I used to get, when I was going through my atheist phase, I used to, I used to get frustrated with him. Not that I ever told him, of course, but um, I'm like, dude, take some credit. You work your tail off. But, um, but I've noticed, I, I have noticed that I've got a couple other friends like that and life seems to work out for them. They, they focus on the day by day, you know, they do the best they can in the moment and they just move forward and they say, whatever's going to happen, God will provide, or, you know, God is pushing me in this direction, but I'm coming to enjoy that kind of, uh, that kind of approach, <laughs> you know, where you stop trying to control every little bit of every little thing that's happening in your life and you, you let life happen. And you go with it, you know? Wasn't there a Hatan that you read recently that talked about when you notice people who seem to be uh, a little bit different, like they seem like their lives have like a rhythm to them that is different than mm -hmm. what you would expect. Mm -hmm. And that that has to do with, uh, you know, their ability to not cling to things, to not cling and like make their talents and their gifts the end all be all. I might be I might be butchering this, uh, but it's 
I think a lot of that has to do with that giving. That free giving uh, that sees no scarcity, mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like it creates a convection current that then pulls more to you. Hmm. Uh, this is something I think is uh, related uh, to the concept of channeling broadly speaking that I was talking about last episode, yeah. where you are trying to be a clearer channel for the creator's love. And, 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 and what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to be an instrument, a, a better and more articulated instrument for that love. You, the instrument, you know, the trumpet doesn't know what song it wants to play. It just makes itself, it greases the valves and uh, greases the, the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a lot of grease, but it makes <laughs> itself, it tunes itself, right? Like, I guess you can't, the trumpet doesn't tune itself, but from the point of view of the instrument, the point is it needs to be in a certain, um, in a certain condition mm-hmm. in order to be able to be used by the player uh, maximally, right? And I think yeah. people like your friend uh, have learned subtly and obviously no exposure to Confederation philosophy is necessary to, to grasp this. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they have learned that uh, it is better to give than to receive. Yes. And that that kind of goes into or it relates to what we spoke about last last episode that if you find a truth that works does it matter where it came from? And the fact that there are truths scattered in many different philosophies, but they all, I shouldn't say all, but many of them share a common theme. And uh, yeah. those have power. I think when I think when you find an idea that continually pops up, maybe you should take note. You know, there's a reason why you're you're noticing those ideas popping up. So maybe write one of those down. There might be a reason for that. Right. And, and, and this idea of giving freely and gaining all by doing so uh, is echoed in Buddhism, in Christianity. I'm not as familiar with Islam, so I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. But um, it is a very poignant idea, and it's highly tied to, I think, what it means to go down the service to others' path. Is that more and more the Confederation even in these transcripts that we're on right now, uh, talk about the service of being. They may not say it in those terms, but they differentiate the nature of service as not necessarily always being about an action that you take. It's also about who you are, your very vibration, your very unique part of the creator uh, serves and affects other people. And uh, it is by getting to know ourselves better accepting what we have found in our search, uh, that we are then able to come to terms with all those things that make us scared and afraid to share freely. And then we can just be an instrument in the situation. And our personality, instead of being this thing that blocks the love, becomes an instrument of the love. So Ryan, as this person that people, this personality that people know in this life, uh, becomes a flavor of the creator's love. And it already is, right? Mm-hmm. But you're making it a sweeter and sweeter flavor. You're making it a more and more Ryan flavor and by the same token, more and more of a creator flavor because hmm. your true nature is that of the creator. Hmm. 
I think this is why they call it the disciplines of personality, because they recognize that there is kind of like an interface in third density between our total selves and everybody else's total selves through these limited incarnate uh, beings who uh, are, are so clumsy. Mm -hmm. uh, as we be, as we gain more skillful ways of of living our lives, uh, we slowly find that our that the person that we want to be uh, is not uh, this personality that we can trumpet to the world. It's merely a means of letting the Creator come through us, and that's a very subtle distinction. It may not even make sense the way I'm describing it, but it's what I'm thinking about a lot. It, so it's on it's my mind. Tough. It's tough yeah. to wrap your head around. I mean, and it feels like there's so many contradictions or paradoxes, you know, like the idea of trying to recognize in this incarnation that we are not separate, that we are all one. But if the whole point of this incarnation of this experience is to experience that separation, then why, why are we trying to, you know, <laughs> what are we doing? You know, yeah. You know, it has something to do with, I believe, this is, this is Jeremy going off the, off the rails again, but I believe that it is, there is something about manifesting the creator at this level, this physical illusion that we're in. There's something very gratifying to the creator about that. Probably it might have something to do with the fact that everything is so dense and heavy here. And so everything that's learned maybe has like a character that can't be that can't be gained in any other illusion, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. And it should be, you know, I, I think it's perfectly fine to just be like, you know what? I don't know. All this stuff is is getting too uh, nerdy for me. I just want to I just want to be love. And I think that's a <laughs> I think that's a, a very that's where I want to get. I want to stop over intellectualizing this stuff so much because yeah. then you confuse yourself and you start misdirecting what is so pure and simple. But it's just so interesting. It's fun. It makes me think about all of the education and schooling I've done in finance, just to come back to the conclusions that are so basic. You know, I, I don't need this ridiculous algorithm driven, crazy investment strategy to maximize, you know, standard DV alpha, whatever. I just need a, a portfolio that's got 60% stocks and 40% bonds. And it took me five years of education to come to that conclusion. You know, now, um, maybe this is a part of the process. I mean, think of, think of where Hatan is at Le level four. Okay. <laughs> level four Hatan has gone through that third density incarnation of challenges. They know the simplicity and they're giving us this simple message after they put in the hours and they put in the time of going through all that complexity and all that BS and all that catalyst and experience. And now they're at a spot and th you know, think of what's beyond that, you know? Yeah. And, and because they're not in that dense, uh, confusing, especially confusing illusion of third density, uh, they can they can see better how everything lines up where where the chips fall and uh, the way that they can continue on their path is by reaching back mm. and helping us in this illusion and this you know yeah. and I uh, there's an Easter egg in the transcript archive because Hatan talks about 
how they polarized. No way. And what the experience in third density for them was oh, like. Oh gosh, I can't wait. And I can't wait I'm not going to spoil it for you. Thank you. But it is it is really cool. Thank you. There's there's one we don't have to dig into this now because we're about up on time. But there was yeah. one message that came up in the past week that I loved, and it had to do with weakness and strength. And you know, just the nature of, of the dynamic that we're at. We have positive, we have negative, we have dark and light, and happy and sad, and, and you know, we have weak and strong, and without. Without the without the weak, there would be no strong. You know, it, like weak people reach out to those who are strong for help, and that's what what helps them. People who are strong can't maintain that strength until they reach a hand back and actually share that strength with those who are weak. You know, so maybe something we can dive into just that dynamic of, well, of how we all mix together, and you know how how we, the catalyst of interpersonal relations and. All that. There's a place for everybody in this creation. Yeah. And um, what their true place is, is completely unintelligible from where we're standing. Uh, we have to we have to just uh, treat them as a creator if we want to maximally use uh, the experience that we're given and uh, hone our service. Yeah. Yeah. Well. On that note, we've been at it for a while. Again, I always think we're going to maybe keep it at like an hour and then it doesn't work out. <laughs> That's okay. Well, if if the listeners uh, are fatigued by the length, we can we can uh, dial it down a little yeah. bit. But uh, and, and I want to say on that note that we do have a website for the podcast now. It's uh, inaudible.show and there is a contact form on there. Uh, so reach out to us uh, and give us your feedback on what you're hearing. Uh, if Jeremy's talking too much, like let Jeremy know. Yeah, and same for Ryan. <laughs> the same for Ryan. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you for joining us for episode two. And again, we're going to try to get these out weekly. So check in in a week and change and uh, see what else we got. I'm excited. I'm excited for the next week of sessions and uh, see what other ideas pop up. So it's always a pleasure chatting with you, Jeremy. Likewise, stay in the love and light. All right, sir. Bye, everyone.